Amen. Well, good morning. So good to be with you today and really grateful uh, for this opportunity to be together as the church, but then the privilege I have today uh, to share God's word with you and uh, be a part of what he's doing in this time. So we've been in this series, as Tim mentioned, we're simply calling Jesus. He changes everything about everything. And I think that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, you would say that's true. Yeah, he, he has changed everything about everything. And today we're looking at a story from the Gospel of John uh, that shows this encounter with Jesus that not only impacts, uh, not only changes his life, but here we are 2,000 years later still talking about this story, talking about the impact that it can have on our lives. What Jesus does in this story uh, is one of the most famous miraculous incidents in all of history, but it also is one of the most revealing about Jesus, about who he is. It shows us not only uh, Jesus, but not only who he is, but what he came to do. We see his power, we see his authority, we see his deity, that he is God, but we also see his humanity, his sensitivity, and his compassion. And so really today, I, I have two simple goals for us as we walk through this passage. First one, I just really want us to see Jesus. I want to see who he is. Uh, the scripture says that when he is lifted high, he will draw men to himself. We want to see Jesus today. And secondly, as we see Jesus for who he really is, I want us to fall more in love with him. So when we leave here in just a moment, my prayer is that we would love Jesus more after we've seen and just savored who he is in our time together today. So today is this hope that we would just hold up Jesus and be amazed and be in awe of who he is and not only see his power and his authority, but get a glimpse of his heart, his character. Um, so the story is kind of long. Uh, it's John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to John chapter 11. But I really wanted us to hear the whole thing. Uh, so I've asked my friend Ashley to come, and she's going to read it for us. If you know Ashley, she has multiple, I almost said multiple personalities, but that, that sounds creepy, uh, multiple, like, dialects, if you will. But I've asked her, just, just keep it normal. Just, just keep it normal whatever today. Like, whatever you like, Micah, whatever you like. Just keep it normal today. So she's going to read uh, this whole passage for us. So it is going to be on the screen. You can follow along there, but John chapter 11 and we'll begin in verse 1. So um, as Mike and I talked about reading this section this morning, there are a lot of different ways to hear and read the Bible. But God often, Jesus often spoke to people in parables. And there was purpose in that, and there was mystery in that, but there's also story in that. He knew that we would retain things and hear things differently in story. So today as I read, you're welcome to read along in your Bible or on the screen, but if you want to, you're also welcome to close your eyes and sit back and step into a story. There are several characters. There are the people. There are three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And there is a man who has been doing miracles, who is rumored to be the Messiah, the Son of God. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, 
It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man, Son of God, may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher's here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray together.
Father, we just pause and we recognize the power of your word. God, today we, we come to you. We recognize that this is so much more than just a story, but this is the power of God revealing himself to us. So God, may we hear it in that heart. May we hear it with that posture today. Father, we recognize the authority of your word. And God, today, would you do the miraculous work of opening our hearts, opening our ears, God, allowing us to hear from you today. And then would you do the work of not only allowing us to hear But God, may may that bring about obedience. May that bring about a change in our hearts, a change in our lives. God, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for Jesus, the resurrection and the life. And it's in his name that we pray and everybody said, amen. Amen. So have you ever been falsely accused It's the most frustrating thing in all the world. Um, What's even worse is, you you know, you usually try to defend yourself, and that digs you even into a deeper hole many times. Or even if you're, what about this, when you're trying to actually help, you're, you're, you're sincerely trying to help, and somehow you get blamed for something in the process of helping. So we have a three year old daughter, some you know, and from time to time she throws fits. I know that's hard for you to believe because you think, but they're amazing parents. How could this be? But she does. She's a little sinner, just like all of you. And so she throws fits from time to time. And then our our 10-year-old son, who really has this heart of compassion, wants to help so bad, and it only makes it worse every time. And he he tries again, but it only makes it worse. Um, And he gets more angry because of that, right? Um, Well, today we're going to see in this story how Jesus is questioned and actually accused from people that he deeply loves. He wants, I want us to see how Jesus responds and how he shows not only his deep love for those who are questioning him, but how his response is specific to those who are questioning him. He knows exactly what they need, um, and he knows how he can best lead them in that moment. So we begin with John, as we just read, John kind of laying out the characters, right? We have Lazarus, we have Mary, and we have Martha. They are siblings. They live in a town uh, called Bethany, which is near Jerusalem in Judea. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus loved this family very much. And we also see other biblical evidence of their relationship, right? So some of you will know the story of Mary and Martha in their home, and they invite Jesus into their home, right? And Martha is preparing and working and doing all the work to prepare for Jesus to be there. And what's Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, like listening and learning, and Martha gets upset, right? Because she's having to do all the work. Uh, Another encounter, one of the very first encounters that Mary has with Jesus is Mary had just come out of a life of really great sin. And she hears that Jesus is in town meeting with the disciples and she runs to him and she falls on her face before Jesus. And you know the story of her cleaning Jesus' feet, washing Jesus' feet with her hair and pouring the most expensive perfume 
on Jesus' feet in this sign of commitment, this sign of worship. So this is a family that Jesus deeply loved. And I think it's important to understand that because these sisters are about to make a pretty major request. And this is not coming from a stranger, but this is coming from people that Jesus deeply loves. They would be in a close circle of friends. So let's look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? This may be one of the strangest verses in all the Bible. So he loved them deeply. He hears he's sick, and he's like, I'm just going to hang for two more days. Like, imagine the parents that are sitting in the living room. They see the child run through the living room. They hear the bang and the crying, and they just say, this illness will not lead to death. I'm going to sit here for a little bit longer and see what happens. <laughs> so, like, I have, uh, about 12 years ago, I was playing indoor soccer, and I was goalie, and I cleared this ball out and put my hand down, and I broke this thumb really bad, okay? Like seven pins, two surgeries, it was bad. So, um, and when I did it, of course, I cleared the ball, of course, but then I jumped back up, and my, the closest guy to me was my friend Toby, and I said, Toby, I think I really, I think I really hurt my thumb, like I broke it maybe. He, he looked back at me and then looked, and he goes, okay, well, okay, we're about to score, so just hold off just a second. I don't think in that moment his concern for me was out of love. I'm pretty sure it was out of his competitive spirit, right? Well, so Jesus hears of the illness that is going on, and he says, I'm going to wait two more days. Jesus doesn't go immediately to Lazarus because he loved him. Now, how could this be love? It is more loving in grace-giving for Jesus to allow grief and loss if it means you will have a bigger view of God and his glory. Listen to that again. It is more loving for Jesus to allow grief and loss if it means that it, you have a bigger view of God and his glory. Jesus hears of Lazarus' illness and he waits two days. So there's this connection between God's glory being revealed and grace. Actually, throughout the whole book of John, this is kind of a, a fundamental piece that John is teaching throughout his entire book. So we begin with chapter one, where John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? And then verse 14, he says, and the word, speaking of Jesus here, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then just two verses after that, for from his fullness, meaning from his glory, we have all received grace upon grace. So there's this, this pattern that John is laying out for us. God reveals himself to us. We see his glory. He reveals himself to us through Jesus Christ. And through the revelation of Christ, our eyes are open to see the beauty of Jesus. And in seeing the beauty of Jesus, we are then filled with grace. Regardless of what many people think, 
God's love is not him sparing us from suffering, although he may do that. But his love is mainly him showing us and giving us himself in his glory. Brothers and sisters, do not measure God's love for you based upon how much health, wealth, and comfort is in your life. Throughout Scripture, it was those who followed God closest that experienced great suffering. We look at the Apostle Paul, right? He was in prison. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. Not stoned like, you know, but like stoned. Um, He was shipwrecked, right? He lived a life of great suffering, but yet he was somebody who followed God closely. You look in the Old Testament at the person of Job. The first verse of Job says this, Job was a man who feared the Lord. But yet, how did his life turn out? He went through great loss and tragedy. So God is most loving when he allows the suffering of our lives to happen so it may cause us to look to God and have a bigger view of God and who he is in his glory. So yes, it is more loving for Jesus to hear of Lazarus' illness and wait two more days because he knew that the end result of Lazarus' resurrection from the grave would lead to his sisters and everyone else having a bigger view of God and his glory. So verse 7, in his perfect timing, Jesus says, all right, let's go. Let's go to Bethany. It's time. And there's this interesting interaction between the apostles and Jesus. They say, Jesus, are you sure you want to do this? Remember, we just left Jerusalem because they were trying to kick you out of the city. They ran us out. Do you still want to go back? Is this what you really want to do? And Jesus gives this very unique answer to their concern in verse 9. He says this, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So what is all this talk about 12 hours in the day? Remember, God is not limited or confined to time. And he is not speaking of a 24-hour day here, but Jesus is referring to time and time to work. He has work to do, and as long as it is day, he will do the work. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 4, earlier in the, in the book, he says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So the day that Jesus has in mind is the period of time in which God's provision and providence and favor is surrounding Jesus with, ex- with extraordinary protection and power until he reaches his appointed task. What is the appointed task of Jesus? Ultimately, it's to go to the cross, to die for the sins of the world and be resurrected. And nothing will thwart the, prom- the purpose of Jesus in that moment. And he knows that. He knows that his purpose is to live this life and go to the cross. So he's not worried about the fact that he could get stoned on his way to Jerusalem because he knows God's purpose for his life and he lives in that purpose. So as Jesus enters Bethany, he is approached three different times. We just read about it. The first one is with Martha and then Mary and then the mourners that are with Mary. And each one of them approached Jesus in similar ways. But interestingly enough, the response that Jesus gives to each one of them is different. 
uh, and it's very specific for each one. So we're going to take the next couple moments, and we're just going to look at these encounters that Jesus has with these individuals. And then I want you to notice his response, and his response is different to each one and, and what he does with that. So beginning in verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you just kind of hear the anguish in her voice? God, Lord, if you'd have been here, Jesus said, oh, I'm sorry, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So what is Martha doing as she confronts Jesus? Lord, if you had been here, where were you? Why were you late? Why did you wait to come? Martha, in this moment, is questioning Jesus. She's questioning his love. She's a woman of faith. She says it, right? I know that whatever you say you're going to do, you're going to do. But yet, in this moment, she's questioning his love. She's questioning his motives. And Martha needs to be reminded who Jesus is. So look at how Jesus responds. Jesus gives Martha what we would call the ministry of truth. Uh, this is what she needs most in this moment. It's kind of like he just grabs her by the shoulders and says, Martha, Martha, listen to me. Don't despair. I'm here. I am the resurrection and the life. That's who I am. He comforts Martha, but he comforts her with profound truth. Martha, what you need right now is the realization that I love you and I am showing you my love by giving you myself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is saying, I am the very thing that Lazarus needs, and I am the very thing that you need. Believe in me. Though he die, he shall live. And if he lives, he shall never die. Martha, trust in me because I love you. And then he gets incredibly personal with Martha. Martha, do you believe this? I know you can say, God, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do, but, but do you really believe this? Jesus calls her to a commitment, and the implications of her response are life-altering. The reality is today we are being asked that same question. Do you believe that Jesus really is who he says he is? And if you do, then is that shown in how we live? in the things that are important to us, in the things we prioritize, in the things we give honor to. So next comes Mary. Martha goes back to the house, right? She tells Mary that Jesus is coming. Verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, again, this is the same thing, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So as Martha needed the ministry of truth in the response that she got from Jesus, Mary needed the ministry of tears. Mary approaches Jesus with the same statement. Lord, if you had been here, again, Mary was a woman of deep faith, and we see that in her life. Yet in this moment, she is questioning Jesus. Again, she's questioning his love. But how he responds to her is very different. Despite his claim to Martha that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is God, he responds to Mary differently because not only is he God, but he is fully human as well. He is one with us. He feels deeply the horrific power of death and the grief of love lost. And Jesus knows what we need. He knew that Martha needed to be reminded of the profound truth of who he is. But Mary needed something different. When Mary questions him, he is deeply moved and he steps into her grief. If you're ever playing the, uh, the trivia game uh, and asked what's the shortest verse in the Bible, here it is. I'm helping you out, all right? John chapter 11, verse 35. Say it with me. Jesus wept. Not only is this the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's also a candidate for the most profound and comforting verse in the scriptures. In this moment with Mary, Jesus enters into her grief. Jesus, God in the flesh, had powerful emotions. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with our grief. So guys, today, if you are experiencing grief or suffering, may I just encourage you, you are not alone in your grief. Not only do you have a church family that loves you and wants to come around you and serve you, but you have the creator and the sustainer of the world, Jesus Christ, who gladly enters into your grief with you and loves you in the middle of it. As we say a lot around here, Jesus sees you, he loves you, and he has you. So finally, the other mourners who are with Mary begin to chime in, okay? In verse 36, the mourners recognize, they see Jesus weeping, and they recognize the love that Jesus has for Lazarus, but then there's this shift in verse 37. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Again, the love and the power of Jesus is being questioned. So this is three times now uh, that the love of Jesus has been questioned. And in verse 38 says that Jesus was deeply moved. We saw that phrase earlier as well. The phrase deeply moved, I don't believe it fully communicates like the weight of what is being said here. This phrase deeply moved in the original language actually means to insist sternly or to snort with anger. That's exciting, isn't it? To snort with anger. A couple weeks ago, Tim talked about this idea of, of Jesus showing anger, and, and I believe that we're seeing this again. Guys, Jesus is not going to stand for his love being questioned. And, and this is not Jesus defending himself because Jesus knows that the skepticism and the questioning of the people is the very thing that's keeping them from seeing Jesus for who he really is. 
And he knows that the best way for them to experience love is to truly see Jesus. So if you're here today and you're skeptical of Jesus, you're cynical of of who he is and maybe the claims of the Bible, let me say to you that Jesus deeply loves you and your questions and your cynicism and your skepticism is keeping you from seeing Jesus for who he really is. So just for a moment, for a moment, would you say, God, help me to believe? We're just saying, give me faith, right? To trust what you say, that you're good, and then the rest of them long. I forgot it right now. (laughs) So give me faith, right? So that's what we're asking God to do. So it could be today that you just want to say, God, I'll just admit it. I'm skeptical. But for this moment, I'm going to just hear. And God, would you reveal yourself to me? Jesus is serious about his love for his people, and he's not going to let something get in the way of them understanding and revealing that love. So what did Jesus do? Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. This is just really funny to me. For he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they take away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said it on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus is purposeful in everything that he does. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So in the face of the last question from the mourners, Jesus is moved to powerful action. He tells them, move the stone. Martha again questions him. Jesus, are you sure? He's been in there a while. We sure you want to do that? Uh, and Jesus graciously reminds her, remember what I told you, Martha? Believe in me, and you will what? See the glory of God. And he commands Lazarus to come out, and he does. I've heard my dad, some of you know my dad's a pastor, and I've heard him preach uh, this passage, and he says that it's in, there's a reason that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Because if he had just said, come out, then all the dead people in the area would have come out of the grave. I think that's pretty cool. Um, So he specifically says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man obeys the commands of Jesus. So if you're a Christian, this is true for you as well. There was a time when we were dead in our sin in our rebellion. Scripture tells us that. We sang about it earlier, that we were foes of God. There was a time that we were dead in our sin, and Jesus graciously revealed himself to us and called us out, and he made us alive. Guys, this is the beauty and the work of the gospel. He calls Lazarus out, He makes him alive. He calls you out of your death and gives you new life. So to Martha, Jesus responds with profound truth. 
In her questioning, he reminds her of who he is, that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is God in the flesh. And he reminds her of what he came to do to give life. To Mary, Jesus responds with deep emotion. He enters into her grief and he shows sensitivity and compassion. To the mourners, he responds with powerful action. He hears their question and their accusing, and immediately he's moved to miraculously raise Lazarus from the dead. Everything he does is purposeful, and his purpose is to reveal himself to you. I recently heard a story about an author uh, named Dorothy Sayers. Sayers was one of the first women to go to Oxford. Uh, She was a writer of detective fiction. Um, She wrote uh, a series of great stories and novels called the Lord Peter Whimsey Stories. Uh, Lord Peter was an aristocratic detective. He was handsome, but he was single and alone. And in the middle of the series, a tall, not particularly attractive woman named Harriet Vane appears in the stories. Interestingly enough, Harriet is one of the first women ever to go to Oxford. And she's writing as she's a writer of detective fiction. She and Peter fall in love, they get married, and they solve mysteries together. What's going on in this story? Some people have speculated that Dorothy Sayers looked into the world that she had created and in the character she created and she saw his pain. She saw his loneliness. She actually fell in love with him and wrote herself into the story so she could save him. God, you see, has done quite the same thing. God looked into the world, the world that he had created, and he saw us destroying ourselves and destroying the world by turning away from him. And it filled his heart with pain because he loved us. He saw us struggling to free ourselves from the traps of misery that we created for ourselves. And so what did he do? He wrote himself into the story. He wrote himself into our story. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, born in a manger, born to die on a cross for the sins of the world. And he did this because he loved us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus loves you. And the greatest love that he could ever give is him giving himself. So how do we respond to this today? I think there's three ways that we can respond. First of all, it may be that today you recognize that you are like Lazarus and you are dead. Not physically dead, but you're spiritually dead. You have no relationship with Jesus Christ. And it could be that today, for the first time, you are hearing God speak to you and draw you to himself. We said earlier that when Christ is lifted high, he will draw men and women to himself. And it could be that today that's what's happening, that Jesus has been exalted, he's been sung about, he's been talked about, and today God is drawing you to himself. and He wants to make you alive in Christ. So it could be that today that's how you need to respond. I'm gonna tell you how You can do that in a moment. It could be that today you're experiencing some sort of grief or loss. 
And maybe those, that grief and loss has even caused you to question God, maybe even question his love. And today, Jesus just wants to reveal himself to you and say that he deeply loves you. He wants you to know that he is the resurrection and the life. He is God. And in the middle of your hurting, he is calling you to look to him, to find hope in him. He also wants you to know that he knows your pain. He is not disconnected, but he is intimately involved in what's going on in your life, and he is grieving with you. But also, he is not passive, but in his perfect timing, maybe it was two days later for Lazarus, but in his perfect timing, he will act, and he will display his power in your life. Finally, it could be that today that you just need to be reminded of the beauty of Jesus. And just for a moment, just be in awe of who he is. And the fact that even in our rebellion and even in our sin, God would love you enough to give us, to give you himself. And may that reality, may that truth cause you to love him more and more. I'm going to say a prayer and as we pray, I just would ask that you would speak to the Lord. And would you ask him, how are you to respond today? And if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's going to be some of our prayer team up here. Myself and Tim will be up here. We'd love the opportunity to talk to you about what does that mean? What does that mean to give your life to Jesus Christ, to be revealed the glory of God through Jesus Christ, to have your eyes opened to his beauty, and then to respond to him by trusting in him with faith. And we'll talk a little bit about what does that mean. So if you're here today and you need to respond in that way, you can do one of two things on that card that's on the seat, pocket, seat back in front of you. you can, there's an option to just respond that way. Today, I want to trust in Jesus Christ. And you can do that. Or you can come forward, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Or it could be, as we said, that you just, you're experiencing some sort of grief today, and you just need to pray and say, God, would you remind me that you're with me? God, would you remind me that, that you are not distant, but you are intimately connected with what's going on in my life and the grief that I'm experiencing? So if you want to come forward and have somebody pray with you, you're more than welcome to do that. If you want to come down to this uh, platform area and pray, you can do that. Or if you just want to pray in your seat and ask God to help you in this moment of grief or loss or suffering, whatever it may be, uh, ask him to do that. Or it could be that as we sing, you just need to worship in response to the beauty of Jesus, recognizing who he is and respond to him with worship. So we're going to do that in just a moment. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this amazing story. God, the amazing beauty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that in your mercy and in your grace, you revealed yourself to us through Jesus. God, we thank you for that. And God, we ask that you would help us to respond to that revelation. Father, for my friends in the room that do not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would put their faith and their trust and their whole life in this truth in Jesus Christ. God, for my brothers and sisters who are hurting and experiencing suffering or pain, 
God, would you just step into their grief today? And would you show your love and your compassion and your sensitivity to them this morning? God, we love you. It is our joy, it is our privilege to worship you as our Lord and Savior. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray.